2: Please seek the help of a medical practitioner before quitting alcohol. This podcast comes to you from beautiful Bunjalung country. Please kick back and enjoy. Grab yourself your favorite alcohol-free bevy. And if you haven't already, do a gal a favor. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Monday Distillery, who makes sophisticated, elk-free drinks that still have all the taste of a good time g without the tears, whiskey without the wobbles, and other delicious cocktails too. Switching the ritual instead of ditching the ritual is so much easier. Stay in high spirits, keep a clear mind, head to mondaydistillery.com for more. Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr, and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. Hi, and welcome back to How I Quit Alcohol. Today, in the Zoom room, I'm joined by gorgeous Lissy Elliott from Adelaide. She's a visual artist, she's in marketing, and we met through a mutual friend, a mutual sober friend, Libby O'Donovan, who introduced us via email, which was a beautiful introduction. Yes, I'm just so stoked to have you on today, Lissy. I know that you're over a year sober, so I wanted to talk about that and your journey. So welcome. Thank you for coming on. How are you today? Thank you.
1: Great. Yes, I'm fabulous. <laughs> Thanks for having me. It's so exciting to be on your podcast. I've listened to so many of them now, so can't believe I'm on one.
2: Yay. Yeah, It's just a bit of an initiation of fire, just throwing you in the deep yeah. end here. So listen, firstly, how old are you? Personal question.
1: Uh, 47.
2: All right. So 47. And how long have you been sober for now?
1: It's one year and seven months, and I'm so, so proud.
2: (laughs) One year and seven months. That is so awesome. Well done. That's absolutely fantastic. So tell us a bit about your history with alcohol and tell
1: us how you got started and where it led to and what got you to quitting. I didn't start drinking until I was almost 18. Mum and dad are very religious, Uh, they're Anglican, Christian, and very anti drinking. I think dad's parents. Drank a lot, and he was very put off alcohol because of that. So we grew up with mum and dad sort of getting paid out a lot for not drinking whenever they were in crowds or at parties or whatever. They were sort of the the Ned Flanders of the group because of <laughs> <laughs> not only their religion but they absolutely were staunch not drinking. They were wow, so they didn't drink at all, very against it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And let us know that that wasn't right. And look at all those drunk people. We don't want to be like that. So I grew up within that sort of environment. So I sort of had this sense of you shouldn't drink. But when I turned 18, I did want to drink because everybody was we grew up in Broken Hill so it was this country town and uh, everyone drank it was just a normal part of the culture plus I think I wanted to break away from that Ned Flanders image of my family oh really why (laughs) didn't want to rebel from that at all. Yeah, so even though I'd turn up back at home at all hours of the night and have a hangover the next day, dad would make sure he started the mower up really loud early <laughs> that morning and rev the car and next to the window and blah blah. So he didn't tell us off for drinking, but he made his presence felt that he, he didn't approve of it. So yeah, we, I think it was just a, a gradual thing. We did a lot of binge drinking. There wasn't sort of wine with dinner as an example of, you know, mm. how to have one drink with one or two drinks with dinner. It was just binging on weekends and pub crawls. And
2: It's like the forbidden fruit as well, isn't it? It's really yeah. interesting this because a lot of people, I don't think I've had anyone on the podcast that started so late It's usually that they. it was around them, it was the family dynamic to drink and they started drinking really early. So this is really interesting because there's always that debate on how to talk to your kids about alcohol and to let them drink or not to let them drink. And Mm. this is a really interesting perspective too because some people say, no, don't let them have it at all. Mm. And this is interesting where you were completely forbidden to have it. At least it did delay it though. I mean that's one thing that you didn't start drinking until you were 18. And so having that forbidden fruit... Was that part of the
1: appeal, do you think, as well? Or Definitely. Like, how did you feel oh, about it? Oh, well, the horrible thing was I just got so wasted every time we did drink because we didn't really know there was no off button. And the gross things that we were drinking at the time were like Southern Comfort or all of those sorts of spirits that go down quite easily because they're sweet when you're 16 or 17, uh, sorry, 17 or 18. Um, yeah, I remember being at my friend's, my my best friend's boyfriend's birthday just before I turned 18 down at Silverton at a little ghost town nearby. And we, I, I don't know why, but I just started drinking someone else's Southern Comfort and uh, got so blind that she missed all of her boyfriend's speeches. She was going to give a speech for her boyfriend's 18th. But I was so busy hurling across the length of the bathroom floors felt all over myself and was actually like this. There's a word for it where you can't move your limbs, but I was crunched up like this and she had to bathe me and get me into bed and missed all of her boyfriend's speeches just because I had quickly got quite, quite, quite blind. I didn't even know what I was doing. I I probably had no dinner and just quickly drank that drink because it tasted quite palatable for someone who hadn't drank before as opposed to beer or wine that's more sour.
2: Yeah, and, and a bit gross. So it takes quite a while to kind of get it down sometimes, yeah, especially so early on. Yeah. But I think those drinks are just such a recipe for disaster, those sort of yeah. sweet things. I know for us yeah. it was like passion pop and or mixing it with orange juice and also not eating on purpose so we could get more drunk. Oh no. Oh <laughs> Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah oh, yeah. that's awful yeah,
2: yeah. I like when we were younger well oh, I must say though even when I got older if the mission was to get wasted it would be like oh yeah no I won't eat dinner because nice. yeah I mean that's oh god I look that's back at that thing
1: yeah 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 because we were always thought better eat a lot so it will soak up the alcohol you did where I grew up, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> that's really
2: interesting. <laughs>
1: yeah. During my 20s and 30s, I mean, during my 20s, I was in this cute little alt country band and we would gig at local places and a few festivals and stuff. We had a residency at the Weedy in Adelaide in Thebanon and that just, we got riders and people would bring us drinks and I used to say on stage, if anyone wants to buy me a drink, feel free and they would just come flowing and it was just happy days because also the hangover weren't so bad in your 20s but reaching my 30s I think everybody had 30s everybody was getting married and at weddings there's free alcohol so by the time I met my partner we were getting blind at every single wedding from not eating it because dinner doesn't come out for a while and then you just get so drunk so quickly on the free alcohol we would be fighting at all of the weddings there's not one wedding we went to where we didn't fight (laughs) (laughs)
2: Uh, So you're drinking with your partner and it would often escalate into fights.
1: Definitely. Always. Yeah. Mm. And I had a job with a alcohol compliance organisation and they gave us free alcohol every week and our fights were getting so bad. We even went to a couples counsellor to say, you know, our fights are getting terrible and we don't want to bring kids into the world with this sort of dynamic in our relationship. And she said, I've noticed how every single time you've mentioned one of these bad fights, you were saying, I was really drunk. We were really drunk. Oh, but we were really drunk. And amazingly, we took that on board, but sort of as the years went by, we didn't change anything. Alcohol just stayed in our lives. We didn't say, oh, let's stop drinking. That was just we wouldn't even dream of not drinking.
2: Isn't so- it interesting? Yes, you, you know that it's the alcohol causing the fights. I was Ash and I were the same, we have humongous fights, particularly if I drink beer that would have and that was often what was on his rider, at gigs.
1: Yes. And so
2: I'd drink the beer until I figured out that I couldn't do it anymore, but would still argue and have these pretty rip-roaring fights that were just so ridiculous. But again, I thought to change the alcohol, I never thought to take it out. Like Mm. that would just be sacrilege. It's Mm. really interesting. Same as I interviewed on the podcast recently, my nephew, Joshua's partner, Elise. Yeah. Mm. And Elise, that was the realization for her and how awesome that she's been able to realize it so young as well, that this is causing me massive fights with my partner, massive anxiety. That's what has to go. For people listening, if you're realizing that alcohol is causing a problem, then the best way to solve the problem is to take out the alcohol. And often we don't, whether it's through fear or just not really understanding it, that we're not putting two and two together, that the suffering that the alcohol is causing us, sometimes we don't want to see it yet, or maybe we're too scared to see it. So when you saw it, but then still didn't put two and two together, I mean, what do you put that down to?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I think it just being so embedded within the culture, within society. My partner's parents are Greek and Italian and they're huge drinkers. Their family are really big drinkers, or her mum and dad are. And I was so excited when I joined their family because I was like, oh wow, they're big into drinking. This is so exciting. The opposite of my family. And we could all bond through being drunk together often over dinner. There was that family connection, but it being a part of the culture within the family and association of celebration all coming together, drinking together, that wouldn't have occurred to me for a second to not drink. Not for a second. And often when that you'd have dry July or I'm going to quit for a month because things are going terribly, I'd just binge when as soon as that month was finished because I was so excited to be finished. It never really helped. But yeah, I think just a part of the Australian culture, there's definitely a an acceptance and an encouragement of drinking. Now I'm out the other side. I just can't believe that it is so acceptable like smoking used to be. It shouldn't be. Yeah.
2: It's unbelievable, isn't it? Especially when we look back and see the carnage that it causes.
1: Absolutely. That's the right word for it. Carnage. Mm -hmm. You're not yourself. (laughs) It wasn't myself.
2: Yeah. What did the drinking look like for you? Was it a lot of
1: blackout? I know it was binging. Was it
2: blackout drinking a lot of the time as well?
1: No, no, I think long amounts of time drinking for hours and hours and hours, but just sort of probably passing out in one of the kids' beds after reading them a story or something like that, just passing out. My memories started to get a bit dodgy. I had a few blackouts towards the end of the drinking. I, I would be drinking every weekend. I'd happily have drunk all throughout the week as well but Nikki made my partner made me only stick to the weekends Mm -hmm. that was great but I'd max it out on the weekends I'd have at least two bottles to myself and get really cranky with her if she had any of it I'd think oh my god now I need to go and get another one because you've ruined my formula (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I know how much I need I need this I need this on the weekend and, a, and mm. you've just had a drink you want another one? Oh my god you're wrecking it you're wrecking my system I'm sticking mm. to this weekend it was just a it was an all or nothing thing wow. even though it was sticking to the weekends
2: wow it's interesting isn't it what it does so, and how selfish it makes us how secretive it makes us and not sharing <laughs> with your partner <laughs> mm. <laughs> Yeah. So before I go on and ask you about how you went about quitting,
1: what did alcohol do for you? What was right about it? I think definitely the relief it gave me, especially after having kids. I found the beginning of motherhood just so hard, just really draining, confusing, wasn't sure what I was doing, isolating. I did know other people who were parents, but our kids needed naps, at Different, the babies needed to go down at different times. And so I was very isolated for the first three years of our first son's life. I just didn't know anyone or couldn't make any connections because I couldn't work out how to work it out with a, a newborn or with a baby and a toddler. And so I think once I stopped breastfeeding and could drink again, it was relief from the isolation, boredom, happiness. It just brought relief like an award I was giving myself for making it through this and this, all all of this hard monotony and also energy make me instantly happy, instantly energetic. And then as the years have gone by, uh, I could stay up talking until three in the morning, whereas post-drinking i got to be in bed at 10 (laughs) 30 so it gave me energy yeah just that lovely relaxed state and I feel like I could put up with anything any annoying family members I could do Christmases I could do birthdays I could do Easter as long as I had a drink I didn't mind being around really annoying people.
2: It's really interesting how the alcohol, it's almost like it's helping you to ignore the cues that your body is sending you. So like you said, you would have been in bed by 10.30, which is actually what you needed, but it helps you ignore that and override the body signals. Mm. And then we become more and more detached from what our body's trying to tell us. That's why when we take the alcohol out, it's part of the learning and part of that, I guess part of the process is getting to know your body signals and what your body's trying to tell you because we've become so conditioned with alcohol to ignore what the body's telling us. Even that feeling of isolation or the feeling of that kind of relief, there's something there that the body's trying to tell you probably, hey, I feel lonely. Hey, I feel exhausted. Hey, I'm feeling like I need a bit of stress relief, but we're not listening. We're just going to the booze, going for that action, that quick relief.
1: Yeah. It feels like the quick and easy way to do it as opposed to the working out how to do it a different way for sure.
2: And no wonder we're getting agitated too, because in that sense, just breaking this down for a moment, I could be going in some weird tangent here, but bear with me. <laughs> but when we're not listening to the body and when we're not going to sleep when we need to sleep and we're not resting when we need to rest or relieving our stress in another way, it's no wonder that we get agitated and that we find ourselves in fights and things like that, because the body's going, Ugh! you're not listening to me perhaps. And we're getting this kind of mixed signal. I'm just totally jamming here. I don't No, oh
1: my God, that is such a penny drop moment. You completely right I mean my Mm. agitation is almost gone from Mm. I used to be so irritable and so grumpy and so agitated all the time and one thing that not drinking has done has just wiped that out and you're right not listening even just the sleep
2: well it was a huge one for Ash my partner because he's tired all the time because he's touring relentlessly and that was one of the things that really got his drinking to the next level was he drank for energy yeah. So once he would arrive at the next venue and you haven't had much sleep from the night before and travelling, then he'd have a beer and it would pep him up. To do yeah. the sound check And then the beer I guess would keep going To keep the energy up For the show And then post show Having the drink then For the wind down yeah. <laughs> And then the next day Repeat Rinse and repeat yes. Rinse and repeat And then it became This huge habit When now What he does On two A's He'll do a yoga nidra Or he'll Just have a quick nap For his energy Rather than going For the alcohol And he's listening To his body Which is God, What a relief When you think about that And what the body's Trying to tell us And we're ignoring Our poor beautiful Bodies,
1: oh, no. yeah, it's, it's yeah, that's incredible, and it's so you know, I'm so grateful to you and your podcast for teaching us this. I feel like even I, I had to hear it through a different person. My partner is a psychotherapist, and she teaches. She's a somatic, does all somatic healing, and she's been talking about this for years. And I haven't heard mm. a word of it. Sort of been in the background because she's my partner, and you don't listen to a thing they say. And I heard heard you talking about this stuff, and I was like. Oh, that is true. Oh
2: she God. must want to smack me.
1: Oh, she wants to smack me!
2: I know it's like on the face. I remember talking to you about this over email. I think it was with you, but saying how oh look, I, I totally understand. Like if Ash tries to teach me something on guitar or something oh. about singing, I just like I will not hear it. But yeah. then if someone else turns up and says oh try this or try doing it this way. I'm like, okay. So we never (laughs) listen to our partners ever. No, no. And the longer you've been together, the less you listen. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So tell me a bit about then when you got to the point where you realized, okay, I've got to do something about this. I want to change.
1: Ah, well, that was I think basically the school holidays were on and we had been drinking. I think we gave ourselves a leave pass for school holidays. So we were allowed to drink every day of the school, every night of the school holidays because we took holidays too. And so we had been drinking and then we got back home and we were were saying, all right, we're going back to normal now, only drinking on weekends. And then uh, another lockdown, another COVID lockdown happened. And we just thought, oh God, now we have got to homeschool and work. Oh, screw it. Let's just drink that can be a reward to get us through. And I think just the the impact of the lockdowns being all together all of the time, trying to homeschool, work, parent, fix the house, do everything all at once, all together. I remember one day I just was drinking, I think I accidentally drank a whole bottle of wine to myself. I was so mad. I was texting a friend just being furious with Nikki, instead of going to her and saying, can you cook the kids some dinner or can you stop painting the hallway ceiling and help oversee the kids' school? I just let it all build up until I just exploded with anger and just yelled and blah, blah, blah. I had a massive fight. And that fight just kept on going and kept on going and ended up being the worst fight we've ever had. And we've had some doosies over the years. It was the worst fight we've ever had. And the impact of it just made me go, I'm so bloody ashamed of myself. I, I think I had that reckoning moment where I thought, I don't want to do this in front of the kids. I don't want to be a home where they have to listen to us or see us hurt each other with our words and our actions. I just don't want to model this for the kids and the kids were crying. And I thought, what have I done? What mm. am I doing? Who am I? Who have I become? And I think I just thought to myself that the shame and the regret and the pain was just so were all encompassing. And I just thought, something's got to change. I don't know how I'm going to do it. And I said, I was apologizing to my kids the next day and talking about it with them and just sort of Which is great. Uh, yeah. Nutting it over and really discussing it and discussing what happened and why it happened. Mm. And uh I said to my eldest Indy, I said, oh God, I think I'm I'm definitely going to have a a month of drinking. And he said, maybe two. And Mm. I thought, oh, oh Mm. my God. In that moment, I just thought, oh, it's going to be more than that. But I can't say, and then I never drank again. It was actually a process of uncovering what the hell to do I didn't know what to do and I debriefed with Libby our mutual friend my pure pain and shame and disgust with myself and she was so non-judgmental she was so great and she was able to support me and just listen and hear and be a a beautiful friend and I knew I was going to have a break from alcohol and then she told me about this I Am Sober app and Mm -hmm. she said try that that's really good and that is what changed everything. I hadn't decided to give up. I thought I'll just maybe six months or 12 months, see how I go. I'm not sure if I can even do that, but I thought I'll just do it maybe a month at a time. Mm-hmm. So the I am sober app. So I started that. And then as time went by, I noticed that I was so excited about seeing the numbers tick over the weeks, the months tick over that I was like, Oh shit. I don't know if I want to go back to the beginning of this app. I don't want to start again. Cause once you have a drink, you have to, well, you, you can press begin again. And I had Libby, I was texting her each time I was at a family event and struggling. And yeah, was able to sort of say, "Oh God, give me give me strength. I got to face this person or that person." And Mm. she'd just be there. She was great and just so supportive to have on the other end of the phone. But then, yeah, this app took over. I just could not. I have nightmares often that I've accidentally had a drink, and I'm I'm like, I didn't mean to have a drink. No, I have to start over on this app. Oh my God, I think I had one last night. I I think I've yeah had about four or five of them where I. I'm so annoyed with myself because I have to begin again and it's telling me every time I hit a milestone it's so great I think you might I'm not sure if you told her about it
2: no uh, not not me but I have uh, had people so my nephew's partner who was just recently on the podcast at least she used it and I've had different people in the podcast have used it so perhaps she may have heard about it through that but what an amazing resource so for people wondering what that is so that's called the I am sober app is it hmm, free yeah.
1: yeah you can subscribe to it if you want more out but yeah I've Mm. got the free one and you just put in the reason you set it up and you put in the reason you're quitting what you want Mm. out of life from quitting you can put in the amount that you're spending each week on alcohol so as time goes by it shows you how much you're saving Mm. you could put in things like time how much time you're spending being hungover or being drunk or not not being creative or productive and yeah it just shows you each morning you pledge it gives you a little notification and you make your pledge I won't drink for this day and eight in, eight in the morning and then at eight at night it says review so you review that day and you can say how you went was this hard was this easy are there notes you can share with other people who are on the same journey I don't bother with that but you can if you want to and it just tracks your days weeks months years
2: Isn't that great? So it's really incentive-based too, to see the numbers that you get and to see how much money you're saving. Anything that's kind of gives you that good incentive and the good feels about quitting is absolutely wonderful. I think that's such a great, what a great resource.
1: Oh, I know. I'm so grateful for it. I'm really, really Mm. grateful for that little app. Yeah, that's
2: so fantastic. So tell us about the very first, so when you first quit and you first decided, okay, I'm doing this, what were some of the things I so obviously you've got the I Am Sober app, but that times when you felt isolated or you felt you needed the relief or you needed the energy. So those usual cues that will kind of get you to sort of want to drink or get you craving, what did you do with yourself? What did you do when you felt a bit edgy and you needed the alcohol?
1: Well, surprising. I mean, at the beginning, my boss actually bought me some non-alcohol-free beer to take to Christmas. So having that was great. because Yeah, great. Substituted. But also just, I found having mineral water, in my, anything in my hand, as long as there was something in my yeah. hand, that tricked my brain into thinking, you've got something in your hand, you're fine. Just carry on but I think I, I think I got a, a genuine surprise at how much people weren't drinking I was going to part or not parties don't really go out but going to catch-ups or whatever and actually noticing how many people weren't drinking and having conversations with people I think I was shocked at how many people weren't drinking I was just yeah. going oh right here I am sober now and I'm suddenly seeing all these sober people and didn't realize that before because I'd been drinking so yeah. that was a lovely surprise. And as I was chatting with them, there was like this secret group. I would be telling them that I'd adopt, and they'd say, me too, me too. And I, I couldn't believe how many there were of them. But, it's amazing, um, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know what I was doing. I, maybe just writing things down. Libby talked a bit about journaling. Definitely journaling helps. Or calling, calling mm-hmm. a friend, calling her, texting her. Or if I did happen to have an argument with Nix or a fight with Nix, the relief I felt about thinking to myself, well, at least it's not alcohol-based. The relief, I just thought to myself, cool, I can just go away. We can calm down. I can come back. We can talk about it when we've all calmed down. But this isn't alcohol-based, so we're not on two okay. different playing fields anymore. And the, the relief from, I think I just gave myself permission to be angry. I was like, oh, I'm just, I'm going away. I'm going to another room. I'm going to calm down. I'm going to give myself lots and lots of space and time to calm down and feel so proud of myself that this has got nothing to do with alcohol. Yeah, wow, amazing.
2: Well done. That's so good. I hope it's okay for me to ask this, but did Nikki keep drinking or did she...
1: Well, she She didn't drink much in the first place because it really interferes with her gut and her. Mm -hmm. It didn't sit well with her anyway, so she didn't drink as much as me.
2: How's it affected your relationship?
1: It's so much better. It's the best it's ever been. I, I just wish I could turn back time and have given up at the beginning of time. You know, (laughs) wish wish I had been the. Listen to mom and dad. yeah it's just made it so much better I feel like I'm seeing her through new eyes and that I I'm appreciating her more uh Mm. instead of just finding her insanely irritating (laughs) that's great absolutely love that yeah Mm -hmm. I've got so much respect and admiration for her now that uh, had been really really missing and I wake up every morning think oh my god didn't wake up burning through the night with that my whole body burning or Mm not waking up with that poison feeling in my throat and yeah Libby and I often text each other and say OMG so glad I'm not drinking so it's just everything (gasps) yeah I'm selling paintings much faster than I used to I remember years ago I went and saw a Ben Quilty exhibition and
2: I love him I love his artwork he was working in the prison in Bali wasn't he
1: I'm not sure.
2: Yeah, I think he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing artist. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and uh, I remember there was a bit of footage of him being interviewed there at the exhibition as well, and I remember him saying how he wouldn't be where he is now if he hadn't have stopped drinking. That was a little light bulb moment for me years ago. I thought, oh, I wonder if I could ever do that, to sort of get to the next level with my art wow. and creativity. And I also mm. remember uh, Hughie, David Hughes, saying that. To the comedian, he also said it that he wouldn't be where he is now, have reached the levels that he's reached of his career if he hadn't have given up alcohol. So those those two mm. prominent creatives, they were just sitting there on my shoulders going, you too could have an amazing art career if you let it go. You'll have more time. You'll have more presence. You'll have more energy, vitality, creative input naturally, if you let it go. But I didn't actually know how I could do that. So yeah, the bad. It's pretty
2: amazing how much it reconnects you to the creativity. And often creatives think that they need alcohol to be creative. Right. But I really feel that that creativity, there's a real connection to source. So I'm going to go hippie dippy yeah. Just go yeah. with me. Yeah. And I really believe that alcohol interferes with that connection to source. And when you can really connect to that and you're creating, there's that flow that you get where songwriters talk about, I don't know where this song came from. It's like I had a co-writer and it just came through me. That's that flow. And I'm sure I'm not an artist like that, but I imagine it would be the same with painting or creating art like that, that there's this flow that you kind of when really amazing stuff happens, that you need to be able to have that connection to source to get that flow happening. And I really do believe taking out alcohol helps with that.
1: Oh, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And one thing that happened for me, I mean, I'd been trying to, I'm an abstract artist and I'd been trying to crack this particular style of, I I call it aerial abstract. looks like you're looking down from a plane onto fields, but it's abstract. It's not actual fields or rivers. It just looks like it in a vague way. And I remember trying to, I've seen different artists over the years do this beautiful style and I've been trying to work out how they do it to to do it too. And collecting lots of Insta images and trying for years to try and crack it. Never really worked out how to do it. And I came back from Christmas at Nikki's Family Goes Down to the, the Beach House down south for Christmas. And this year I came back for five days by myself to just paint. And I finally worked out how to do this style of painting. I put the progress on my Instagram account and showed everyone the progress. I do that all the time. But I showed everyone the progress, finally did it, and then sold it straight away. And I just thought, my God, this wow. is stuff that I could do. Because like you say, you're connected. You're in that zen, relaxed, creative space. I think it's definitely harder to get to when you're irritable or feel a bit sick or yeah. annoyed or humiliated with yourself for something you might have done the night before or said to somebody. Yeah. All those things are so distracting.
2: Absolutely. And I really think for the creative process too, there needs to be a bit of time, or well, not having distractions as well and having that time to yourself. If yeah. I want to write songs, I usually need a bit of time to myself, a bit of quiet. I remember reading something with that Paul Kelly wrote about not having any distraction from anything, like mm-hmm. nothing and just you actually have to be a bit lonely and a bit bored sometimes too to get that flow happening. And alcohol really does disrupt. It's the perfect distractor. So for all your creatives out there, if you want to up your creative stuff, take out the booze and see how it happens Then it, because it's, it's pretty amazing.
1: It is. Yeah.
2: It is. Yeah. Amazing. That's so awesome. And so how did Nikki's because you said at the start, Nikki's family, they're big drinkers. And so that was that sort of helped you with that connection with them initially. How did they take it? The change in you?
1: Unfortunately, yeah, they're not going very well. They're both sort of getting dementia. And so one's got short term memory, one's got long term memory issues. So unfortunately, we're not in the same playing field anymore. anyway. So They don't remember that I don't drink. So they offer me and I'll say no, thanks. And it's as simple as that. And what about your family? They must be pretty happy. I'm sure they are. They don't say much. They're not very big, open communicators. So but I'm sure they're very happy. Yeah, Yeah. I'm sure. Absolutely, very smug. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of "I told you so" happening behind those eyes. There, yeah, 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 absolutely. So, tell me,
2: what's been one of the biggest things that you've learned about yourself through this journey of sobriety so far in the last seventeen months? What's it taught you about yourself?
1: It's taught me that I have the capacity to keep learning things that I didn't realise I could, that I'm still a bit of a vessel for learning so much more and I'm just at the beginning of understanding my creative journey, even at the beginning of my relationship with Nikki. Even though we've been together for 17 years, I feel like we're at the beginning of our relationship. Mm, It's beautiful, yeah. And I feel like I was always wondering how I could be a better mum A nicer mum. And I feel like this has just been the magic wand that just made it. It's almost like I didn't even have to do anything to be a better mum, other than take it all out. And suddenly I'm a better mum because I'm just way less irritable and annoyed and yelly.
2: Yeah, that irritability, it's a big one, isn't it? I know my mum always called it the shitty liver. Ah, she got the shitty liver.
1: (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. I don't know if that's a thing. But, yeah, Yeah. yeah. Well, obviously your liver's having a hard time making you shitty. So
2: what do you think it was that gave you the irritability?
1: Oh, like you said, I'm sure it was not listening to your body, you know, mm. pushing on through to three or four five in the morning when you really did need to go to bed at 10. I can't believe how much I need to go to bed. <laughs> it doesn't matter where mm. I am. If I'm out and having a great time, my body will just say, you're tired now. The window's closing. Yeah. So I think the irritability very likely came from just ignoring the signals that were there, which was, you've had a big day. You need to go home and rest now. Plus, probably just being at odds with nicks around her, alcohol, she'd be saying, do you want to maybe think about slowing that down? I'd be like, no way, no way. As if, don't, you can't tell me what to do. So uh, yeah. there was everything, everything made me irritable motherhood lack of (laughs) sleep so yeah yeah, it's literally like a magical wand
2: I think it really is there is really something in that where if we're not listening to the body cues and then we're really out of whack and then everything it sort of upsets everything when we're not listening to the body Oh, God, I know it now, even without drinking, if I'm not tuning in, listening to my body regularly, seeing what it needs, I don't feel right. I feel off. Mm. So I can't even imagine how I fucking survived all those years of that binge drinking and ugh, tell Amazing. you what. Yeah. And as
1: you get older, you get less able to cope with oh. the effects of it the next day. Yeah, absolutely. Totally.
2: What a gift we're all giving ourselves, hey?
1: Yeah. yeah. yeah I'm so grateful. So grateful.
2: Yeah, absolutely. If you could go back in time and speak to 18 year old self, what would you say to her?
1: Listen to mum and dad. <laughs> <laughs> mum and dad know best. Yes, yeah. they might be the Flanders, but they will save you a lot of pain. <laughs> yes. Not drinking will save you the world of pain. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. And the Flanders, they're fucking cool. Maybe they're the cool ones. <laughs> <laughs> Don't
1: <you got> <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: amazing lissy Elliot. thank you so much and if anyone wanted to check out your artwork how do people follow you how do they check out what you're doing
1: i've got an instagram and facebook page it's lissy Elliot creations awesome and Elliot is double l double t
2: double l double t i'm going to start following right now if i'm not already all right, that's so fantastic. Lucy, thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing your story. And I'm actually hoping to get your beautiful partner on soon as well.
1: Yeah, Just, yeah she'd love to have a chat.
2: Yeah, anytime that there's a, a psychotherapist that does somatic work, I'm crushing all over her, I've got to say. I haven't even met that's, her yet, sorry. Oh,
1: <laughs> she's, amazing. <laughs> she's amazing, you'll love her.
2: Awesome. Yeah.
1: Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.
2: Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to meet you in the flesh soon. Yes.
1: Yep. We'll do it.
2: See you soon. Bye. Bye.